Well, a lot of ministries go on uh, here at First Baptist Church, and we're so very grateful for every one of them. I'm grateful to uh, be able to say that for 40 years the Lord's allowed me to be in ministry, but for 60-plus years the Ministry of Grace Fellowship International has been used by God to change lives. And it's, uh, it's good to have them here as home base and uh, I wanted to highlight them tonight, not only in honor and memory of Miss Sue, but also just to say to Dr. Chuck, we love you and we appreciate you. And we pray for you. Amen. Amen. So, John Woodward, you come get us started, Brother John. In the book of Acts, chapter 13, we have the record of Paul and Barnabas' exciting uh, first missionary journey. And when they came back in that missionary journey and other times, they gave credit to God, uh, praise to the Lord for answered prayer. And can you imagine being in one of those early church services, hearing about people's salvation, answers to prayer, the dramatic ways that God moved? Well, Pastor Dale's invited us to share a little bit about what we uh, get to see happen. We have a, a front row seat seeing transformational change take place in people's lives through biblical counseling. We also have a chance to go on mission trips to to Turkey, to India, to Brazil, a number of places in the world, seeing how God uses Christ-centered discipleship and counseling uh, to really advance his kingdom. So I hope that you'll be encouraged tonight. There may be some resources that uh, we'll we'll kind of uh, stir your curiosity about to maybe check into. And maybe some of you here would like to go into biblical counseling or would like to be more equipped to simply informally be an effective people helper. You know, the scripture says in Galatians 6, we need to bear each other's burdens. Anybody here have a burden you could use some help with? You know, I think we all do. We need to be active in helping each other, don't we? But we want to go beyond just empathy and encouragement. Sometimes we need cure. Sometimes we need biblical wisdom. Sometimes we need freedom in Christ. Sometimes we need to learn how to let go of an identity based upon shame and rejection and appropriate a positive, unshakable identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to uh, show you some PowerPoints, uh, a video, um, Kathy and Linda are going to sing. Uh, I'm going to tap dance. No, no, that, I scratched that. I, I'm sorry. Uh, Dr. Charles Solomon, would you come up and start us off? Linda and I met Dr. Chuck and, and Sue years ago when they came through Canada, where I was a pastor. And they invited us to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And Linda and I looked at each other and said, where's Pigeon Forge? Uh, that was back in 1996. Um, but he's going to share a bit about uh, how Grace Fellowship got started back in 1970. And then, uh, actually, I believe the fellows have a bit of a PowerPoint that he's going to walk through as well. That be all right? Well, it's good to be able to share with you tonight. I thought somebody did not always cooperate to appreciate the ministry of Grace Fellowship International. You really know, need to know how it came into being. And it came into being through failure, not success. Failure in my life. So I want to recap that for you a little bit so you can see how it happened in one life. And each of you should have a wheel of mind facts. Plan A, you can learn from the Word of God or you can learn by experience the hard way. I recommend Plan A instead of Plan B. Anyway, 1965 was a pivotal year in my life. So I'd like to say how, what led up to that and how that led into the founding of Grace Fellowship International. 
I was born at the beginning of the Great, Great Depression. I don't think I was responsible. <laughs> but 1930, was 29 was the beginning of the Depression. And so during that time, things were a little rough. I grew up with emotional problems. And through high school, I had those. During the years, I went forward to the meetings. I went forward, and they talked to everybody but me. So I went away lost for two or three times. Finally, trust across my bedroom one night, in my mid-teens. Uh, going from there, I still had the emotional problems. Got married at age 20, children 22, 24, and 26. Got a nervous breakdown in my mid-20s. On 400 milligrams of Thorazine in a day which is about as much as a pint of whiskey. Finally, came to a place at the age of 27. I went to my bedroom. I've never learned to do business with God in church. Still haven't. I went to my bedroom and totally sold out to the Lord Jesus Christ. Told him he could do anything up to and including taking my life, and I wish he would. I didn't see how I was going to make it to the line. I surrendered completely, cheered up, and cheered up things got worse. Then I stayed here, made 27 days, 35. I was diagnosed with MS in my early 30s, which could not be confirmed. Uh, my family, family responsibilities increased, and my work responsibilities increased in the aerospace industry. I finally, by age 35, I came to a place where I couldn't go in one more day. And death was the only way out. And so I died and got over it. And I'd like to show you what that travel Each of us has to come to the end of our own self and our own strength. And this is the way it happened to me. And the poem goes, When I came to Jesus... For the cleansing of my sin, my heart was set at peace as the Savior came within. Looking to his promise of a life of victory, my faith was sadly taxed as I struggled to be free. The burdens that I bore were heavier day by day. It seemed God didn't care as I labored in the way. I searched for other means for relief from trial or sore. No comfort could I find. I yielded to him more. The Lord had heard my cry and began to guide my way. No comfort was not given. He refused to let me stray. My strength was well now gone and continued to decrease. Until there was no more, he gave to me his peace. My heart was filled with peace that passes understanding. I knelt in heartfelt awe. My soul was not demanding. The plan had been my law, in his suffering I was blessed. Crucified with Christ, I found in him my rest. So that day when I, I, I couldn't go in one more day, and now for some reason I read, came across Galatians 2.20, five words transformed my life. And I am crucified with Christ, and the Holy Spirit took over from head to foot, transformed my life. Would never be the same again. 
And of course, I had to learn to walk, and I couldn't find anyone who could tell me what had happened to me. And I had no discipleship when I was saved, no discipleship afterwards, after I came to the cross. So I was up and down, more down and up in the next two or three years. But by two years later, 1967, God showed that he could set me free from so-called mental illness. He could anyone else. We used Isaiah 58, 10, and 11 to call me to the minister to share this truth. That was 1967, age 37. So I decided I should have some education, so I went back to the University of Colorado, got my master's degree in counseling in 69, and found some way to leave industry. Here I was with three teenagers, no savings, and an aerospace salary, needed to step out with nothing. God led, led me to accept the layoff of industry in 1970 at the age of 40 with no promise of any financial support from any individual or church. So I left and started sharing the message. Before I left, he gave me this message on the wheel and line to share what had happened to me with people. So I started sharing with, with them, starting doing miraculous life transformation in people. Suicidal people, defeated Christians, pedophiles, a gamut of mental and emotional problems. He started that from the get go. And then he gave me a handbook to happiness. This is chapter two of my first book, Handbook to Happiness. The handbook to happiness was my project and lived dissertation on my doctor's degree at the University of Northern Colorado, which I got in 1972. We started training in 72 and had the first staff member in 72. And the message began to proliferate. Eventually, the exchange line moving. Dr. Woodrow to share with you. But you see, I had to come to the total utter end of myself with my resources to realize my crucifixion with Christ. And each of you will have to do exactly the same thing. Just a lot of times in different ways it can be. Emotional problems like I had, sin problems, financial problems, family problems. Somehow you guys has to get to a place where you cannot cope in your own strength. And sometimes we get a lot of years doing working for God. We need to come to the end of working for Him, claim our death and resurrection with Christ so He can begin to work through us in life. Uh, I trust that helps you see it. How a great fellowship can end to be and how it's spread around the world. You mentioned your salvation when you were 18, right? 17. And your total surrender was age 27. And you said, Lord, you can take all my life, and if you want to take it, that's okay. But thankfully, you didn't, uh, didn't do it that way. Right. And then when you were 35 is when Galatians 2.20 was revealed and you were set free and that launched your life and calling. And Isaiah 58 is that is the passage where you talked, uh, God impressed that on your heart as your calling verse, isn't it? About, um, can you give us the gist of Isaiah 58? If you draw it, your soul. You wouldn't be drawing my soul to the afflicted, satisfied the afflicted soul. 
This is the verse he gave me, Isaiah 58, verses 10 and 11. It's a definite call to the ministry. He's on a definite. Well, thank the Lord for Brother Chuck. such a privilege to have him as my counseling mentor and to work with him at Grace Fellowship. He's only 86 years young, and uh, he's got the wisdom of Solomon <laughs> in more ways than one. His daughter Kathy is going to sing a solo that really represents her spiritual testimony. She's the administrative manager at Grace Fellowship. We appreciate Kathy and all that she does. You're not choked up, are you? No. You can uh, introduce her song. I don't know song. how I can follow that one. Oh, my. Um, Dad and Mom started GFI uh, about the time I was in junior high school. I knew, I understood zero of what they were teaching. Uh, I was in an abusive marriage um, from 19 to 25. And ended in divorce, and then I started drinking and smoking and carousing. I was self-destructing, and God had to break me. So I was in a car accident, broke my back, and um, had to learn how to walk again, pick up my cat. <laughs> um But it took another four years for me to come to the end of myself. And that was January of 19-something. And he he replaced the depression with joy. And for the next year, I could tell you every month what he did in my life. But in Easter of that year, um, Ernie Haas came to our church. And sang this song. And there's a phrase in the song that says, I wasn't on that hillside to see him on the tree. And it dawned on me that night that I wasn't on that hillside because I was on the cross with him. And Galatians 2.20 became real in my life that morning. So I'm going to attempt to sing this song for you. Words of love 
that said he'd go to any distance to show what I was worthy of. And when at last that dusty road turned to Calvary, he picked up a rugged burden so that one day I would see. From the beginning, the price he'd have to pay for my heart had gone so far beyond what other loves forgave. I wasn't on that hillside to see him on the tree. But as my guilt was placed upon him, I know that somehow he saw me. He loved me with a cross. He loved me with a cross. In answer to the call of love, He loved me with a cross. Oh,
Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. He loved me with the cross. The church has a number of different missionaries and mission agencies that it supports, and we're so grateful that Grace Fellowship International is is one of the the international mission team. We have a local component because we have a a counseling center just out. If you go down the parkway and you pass Dixie Stampede, first left-hand turn, uh, you'll find Nellie Street and we're the second house on the right. On the website, you'll, you'll see the map. You want to come by and say hello. So we do local ministry, but we also do international missions. Uh, we have resources that equip missionaries that are working around the world, but we also have missionaries that we support. But maybe one way to give you kind of an overview is to show you a little PowerPoint that Kathy put together. So let me just walk you through that. Grace Fellowship International is a Christ-centered soul care ministry that offers life-changing spiritual direction through cross-focused discipleship training. Next. Soul care is one way we can describe our ministry, counseling the distress with biblical wisdom, teaching Christians about spiritual victory. Uh, I like Dr. Solomon's quip here where he says, we put the cookies on the lower shelf to help believers discover and experience the saving life of Christ. Being an overcomer is not a matter of achieving, in other words, trying harder, but of receiving. For example, um, This verse from 1 Corinthians 15, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Some of our training includes uh, conferences, and we're so grateful that the church uh, hosts our events. Uh, August 5th and 6th is the next one right here in the church. That's an infomercial. If you're able to come uh, and register for that, it's meant to give you an overview of what we typically cover in the individual counseling, and it's given in a Friday night and Saturday format for whoever would like to attend. The workshop is more of a, uh, a training e- event for those who have been to the conference. That would be for pastors, for deacons, for disciples, for really parents who want to be able to help young people more effectively. It's really an equipping and training event to help others with Christ-centered soul care. It's a three-and-a-half-day event. It's also hosted here at the church. The conference workshop are done usually three times a year here in Pigeon Forge and sometimes elsewhere. We have the Solomon School of Spiritual Therapy which we used to do for a decade as a three-day live event, and now it's a, an online video um, lecture series. We also have webinars, online courses, um, and also distance education. You can earn a diploma in biblical counseling through our correspondence school. International training. Um, you know, the, the terrorism in Turkey uh, really hits close to home. Linda and I actually stood right where one of the, the terrorist bombings took place. I've been through the the airport in Istanbul a number of times. And uh, those are covert ministries because people in the Middle East uh, from a Muslim background, when they come to faith in Christ, often through ministries like Transworld Radio, don't have the fellowship, don't have the discipleship. And so we have the privilege of going over and in a covert kind of situation, giving them a Christ-centered counseling and discipleship and some apologetics to defend uh, the gospel in their culture. So pray for those who are suffering. Linda and I have had the privilege of of equipping people who we heard later have uh, continued to be persecuted uh, in, their, in their countries in the Middle East. Uh, some have been just brutalized and arrested. And so do pray for the suffering church, especially those who are suffering under Islam. Uh, we do regular trips to Brazil. Uh, we have a counseling center in India. Um, Dr. Salman has been to the Korea in the Far East. Uh, we had a wonderful time, didn't we? Uh, the Salmans, uh 
and I to uh, Bogota, Colombia, where, where uh, several hundred small group leaders were trained in the Christ-centered soul care. They had been using Dr. Solomon's Spanish handbook to happiness for years, found out that he was available to come. We had a really neat time down there. So international training is a regular component of what we do. Okay, next. Um, you've heard a handbook to happiness. Um, the little track that you have is a condensed snippet of chapter two of that book. We really recommend it. And the incident of rejection is more from the diagnostic side of why people have the emotional and mental and relational struggles that we do due to the disappointments of life and, re- and rejection. Many people have, have read that book and just it's really opened their eyes about why they feel and react the way they do. Very informative. So those are foundational books that Dr. Solomon has written. Handbook to Happiness and You, a spiritual clinic. A handbook for Christ-centered counseling is used in a number of schools across the country. And then other discipleship resources that uh, have been written, including a testimonial book, Discipling the Desperate, is a book of testimonies of transformational change. Other discipleship resources include an eight-lesson book called For Me to Live as Christ. How to Exchange Your Life for a New One is a... um, an inductive Bible study to welcome new people to the church. The New Life is a classic Abundant Life devotional book. Each of those have a DVD component to them. And then we have a 12-lesson fill-in-the-blank discipleship course basic in advance that has been used in many places in residential recovery ministries because it's so practical and so in-depth in terms of the message of the cross. It's very convenient to use one-to-one or in small groups. So those are some discipleship resources we publish. Um, also, the, the audio and video components are available. The conference that I mentioned is available on DVD and online and on audio CD. And then other resources. Um, the one on the left is a book that Dr. Solomon asked me to research and write called Man as Spirit, Soul, and Body, a Study of Biblical Psychology. And then one called Pastors to Pastors is a book of testimonies of pastors who have been helped by the ministry and had their, their ministries uh, uh, impacted through the message of Galatians 2.20. Also, soul care would include my book, Blessed Reassurance, about the security and assurance of our salvation. Uh, Our former board member, John Stevens, wrote a very profound book on the answer to suicide. You know how how tragic it is when someone takes their own life. And this is a a Christ-centered approach about how we can have hope and encourage people who are desperate looking for a way out, which is the way of the cross. Discipling the Desperate, the testimony book, Conquering PTSD. I hope to have a co-teacher at our conference in August. The man who co-wrote that book with Dr. Solomon, who was set free from post-traumatic stress disorder after coming back from Iraq. He was almost killed in, in battle. And as he came through the Grace Fellowship training and came here to the conference and workshop, uh, God delivered him from chronic mental and emotional problems. And now he's sharing this message uh, in Wounded Warrior events. Uh, his name is Mark Miller. All right, Soul Care. And then we have staff. You've met Kathy and there's Chuck and there's yours truly. And then uh, affiliate staff ministries, Rob and Dottie Clogg. Rob has been here. Some of you have met him. They're based now in, in Vancouver, British Columbia, uh, developing the Canadian arm of the ministry. And then we have Joe and Sherry Freeman, who are actually here this weekend from New Jersey. And I'm going to ask Joe to come up in a minute. And then we have Cross to Life Discipleship Ministries in Minnesota, where I coach them. And I'll uh, be back with them again for an event in September, Lord willing. And then we have international missionaries that I mentioned. Um, and if you go to our website under International, you can read about each country and what God is doing there. Charles Mbaka was here last year and shared from the pulpit. And he's in, uh, in Kenya and has wonderful opportunities in, in uh, various parts of the world. 
Uh, God's doing a neat work in Pakistan and also in the Philippines. Osleraldo is seeing Muslims come to faith in Christ using the little wheel and line track that you have. And he re- wrote us recently with a report of how the community is realizing that the violence is is going down. There's more harmony in society as people are coming to know Christ and discovering the Prince of Peace rather than uh, the conflict that was characteristic of their community prior to that. So God's doing some wonderful things uh, around the world. And uh, some endorsements. Some of you uh, listened to Charles Stanley or watched his TV program. Dr. Solomon did a conference there in 1980 that God used in Charles, Charles's life and Andy Stanley's life. We're grateful for the chance we've had to mentor uh, their pastoral counseling team over there. Dr. Ken Boa, scholar and author. And then finally... Uh, Luis Palau, the Argentinian evangelist, wrote the foreword to Chuck's Spanish translation of Handbook to Happiness, and that material is on our website. So we appreciate that little overview. I think that's about it, fellas. Okay. Um, I mentioned Joe Freeman. Brother Joe, why don't you come on up here? Joe and Cherry uh, live in New Jersey, and they have taken the message of the Christ-Centered Counseling and applied it to addiction recovery, which is a huge area of need and opportunity. Joe, could you share a bit about your ministry? I was told. Here. I was told I have four minutes. Um, I'm going to tell you just quickly because of my testimony. I grew up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, I was the oldest of nine boys. Um, my father was a school teacher, alcoholic and rageful, bright, uh, but a pretty violent guy. And so I suffered emotional abuse. I suffered physical abuse. And at the hands of a family friend, which I didn't get out of my uh, crawl until I was 56 years old, I suffered sexual abuse from the age of 11 to 12 and a half. All of those things had a profound effect on my life. I grew up Roman Catholic. I knew of Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus Christ, except on several beatings that I had taken from my father. I know Jesus was sitting next to me. I would have conversations as to why does this man not like me? I spent my entire life trying to get my father to like me. I learned to be a people pleaser. If I could get you to like me, I'd be okay. We moved a lot. You know, I used to go to the high school, try to get to the cool table, right? In order to get to the cool table, you had to be accepted. So all of my love and acceptance were from people. I didn't know how to get love and acceptance from father because I didn't know father. My impression of our God was that he was a punishing God. He was a God that was waiting for me to make a mistake And was chucking lightning bolts at me and my brothers as we were doing things. That's the God I knew growing up. At 15, I started drinking. And as I drank, I started feeling better. My life was, I felt better looking. I had hair back then, man. I was looking all right. A couple drinks, right? And so uh, as I began to drink, that became my pattern. The more I drank, the better I felt, the more I fit in. And so instead of following the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I was following the world, the flesh, and the devil. Fortunately for me, in 1976, while I was at college, on my way to a pub to drink at 12 noon, that'll let you know my study habits, um, a guy came up to us who was with Campus Crusade for Christ, and he asked me if I had heard the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I sat there in this place for 45 minutes as he shared Christ and the cross, and it made perfect sense to me. And right there in that place, I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And had it ended there, it might have been a whole different story, but it didn't. After three days of sitting in and not going out, I was profoundly affected by what had happened. I went back to my old habits. 
And so for the next 34 years, I wandered in the wilderness, a disobedient Christian. And I would scream out uh, for Father to help me. I would scream for Jesus, help me. Why can't I do this? But I could not get off the throne of my life. It wasn't about drinking. I got into cocaine. Eventually, I got into pain pills, IV drugs, heroin. I ended up with a $1,200 a day habit back in 2009, 2010. I was married. I had children. I told you I had eight brothers. I lost all that. I lost my marriage. I lost my children. I lost my career. Anything I had, I lost. I ended up in a crack hotel in Wildwood, New Jersey, with a gun to my head, ready to take it out on myself and end it all. When I called a friend of mine who I used to run the streets with, and Bobby Kalisic had gotten clean and sober through a place called the Colony of Mercy in Whiting, New Jersey. He had gone in and given his life to Jesus Christ. He not only was saved, but he surrendered. He had laid it down. I made a phone call the next day. Six weeks later, I got into that place. And I got this verse that I'd never heard. It was Galatians 2.20. The message of Galatians 2.20 had been at the Colony of Mercy at America's Keswick since 1897. It's the oldest Christian rehab. And it's the oldest rehab in the United States of America. And I finally walked in there and I surrendered. I said, Jesus, you can have this all. And since then, he's had it all. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. I was my problem. It wasn't drugs. It wasn't alcohol. It was Joe Freeman. I was in charge of everything. I knew everything, and that was it. I went through the four months there. I stayed for four months in discipleship. I got an internship where I started to, um, to work towards being a chaplain there. But I had met a girl... Her name was Cherry. It was her great-grandfather that had founded America's Keswick. God's got a sense of humor. So this guy that had gone there just to get his life back, I not only got my life back, I got a loving, personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, and I got a wife. I got out of there. Cherry and I got married. Through some people we met while we were dating, we came down to Pigeon Forge. John earlier said he didn't know where Pigeon Forge was. I didn't know what a Pigeon Forge is. And we came down here and heard about Dolly and all this stuff. But we went to this conference workshop uh, that Dr. Solomon and, and John Woodward and some nice people were putting on. And my life really changed. At that point, at the end of the, we came down, we thought we were coming for five days. I think we stayed for eight. Actually, I've been down here now with Dale for five years, but. Dale and I hung out in Guatemala on a missions trip as a result of being here, taking the message of Galatians 2.20 over there for pastors to learn how to do Bible-based Christ-centered counseling. I give you that whole background to tell you that Cherry and I got married, we did the conference, we did the workshop, and we came on board with Grace Fellowship International. Um, I knew that the Lord was calling me to come on here full-time, and we've represented the part on addiction. And I want to be really clear in these first six rows. The enemy is out for you guys. This generation, the battle's on. The lines have been drawn. We're on the front lines every day. Heroin is killing this entire generation of kids. And he does not care if you know Jesus Christ. He's coming after you. He's especially coming after you guys. And we pray really hard for you. You're our hope. But I'm telling you, the enemy is coming after and he has drawn the lines. We watch it every day. And so what we've been doing is taking the message of Galatians 2.20, And the teachings at Grace Fellowship International, the wheel line, those tools, we've been taking them into churches that are willing, like this church, to get involved in messy business. We have a lot of churches out there that say, we don't want to hear this stuff. That's messy business. 
Last I heard, Jesus Christ was involved in messy business. And so we go to those churches to equip them to how to teach, how to counsel uh, people that have addictions, not only to drugs and alcohol, but pornography, gambling, cutting, all those things that are going on right now that are taking people away from a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're telling them it is that relationship with Christ. He's the only one. Amen. Who can break the bonds of addiction. It's Christ only. I went to 12 secular rehabs and none of it worked because it was all about me. And my identity was I'm Joe. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, I'm Joe. I'm a drug addict for the rest of my life. Let me tell you something. You know what I learned through this book? I'm Joe. I'm a prince of the almighty. And though I did those things, it doesn't define who I am. It's what I did. Who I am is a child of God. Are there consequences to my choice? There are. I ended up divorced. I have an estranged relationship with my children. I'm trying to work back. I'm leaving that to the Lord. I have some relationships with my brothers who are still not talking to me. There are consequences to the choices that we made. But it does not identify who I am. I did not stay down and lay down to do nothing. This morning, Pastor Dale talked about a guy that did what he could do with what he had. And that's what I'm doing. My story is my story. It's my testimony. Cherry and I have gone out around the country, and I've gone to Guatemala taking this message. Finally, I'll say this. Cherry had two children that were in addiction. Two kids that grew up in Christian homes both ended up, one for 10 years, in an addiction eventually to heroin, and the other one had an addiction to alcohol, cocaine, and pills. Fortunately, the Lord got a hold of them, too, and they're doing well. But Cherry, through that pain and through that suffering as a mother that didn't know what to do, and moms, as she said, are nurturers, which is real close to enabling, and that's what she did a lot of. And we would hear that expression that said, I love my kids to death. Cherry stepped up and said, no, 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 let's love them to life. They need a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. She sat down one night and began to write a blog on enabling, I believe. And the blog got a little bigger, and we looked at it a little more, and we edited it, and then it became a chapter. And then she started thinking of other topics and subjects. She had gone through on some really dark nights, and she began to write them down. And that became Beside Still Waters, Discovering Peace in the Midst of Your Child's Addiction. She stepped out with what she had, and she made the most of it. Right now, we have five support groups in New Jersey, one that's opening in Memphis in September, another in Philadelphia after that, and there's three more lined up. These are moms that are coming out that are saying, I don't know what to do. Help me. And we're taking the Galatians 2.20 message, Grace Fellowship International. You see that guy, Chuck Solomon, there? Some people see an 86-year-old guy who took a little time to get up here. Let me tell you what I see. I see a man who took what he had. Took his life that was not working. And I'm telling you, hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions, have been directly or indirectly affected because that guy dared to step up and say, no more, this far, we're not going anymore. I am taking my life and the message of Galatians 2.20 around the world, around this country, and we need your help. I love you guys. I love the men and women that are sitting here before me. Guys, have been great to watch all day. We're praying for you, right? We will not let the enemy take you guys. Pray for those people that do not know Jesus Christ because they don't have a chance right now. You have a chance. Thank you.
One of our goals of Joe and Cherry visiting this weekend was so that other people could hear a little bit of what you just heard. And uh, our, our friend here, Bob Denny, has a recording studio, Creative Christian Network. And yesterday morning, Joe and Cherry filmed uh, at his studio. And so in a month or two, uh, we'll have a half-hour testimony of Joe, a half-hour teaching uh, in terms of from ministry to recovery, and also Cherry giving a 15-minute introduction to Love Them to Life. So that will be on their website, lovethemtolife.com, uh, in, a, in a month or two. Um, one of our initiatives has been uh, a media initiative where one of our, our team members, Steve Finney, has developed some films. And we want to show you one of the short films that he recently did. It's called the Wheel and Line video version. I'd like to talk to you about some ministry distinctives. I was going to do this after the video. I'll do it now. Um, whether you're, you're with Campus Outreach, Campus Outreach will have some distinctions about university campus ministry. Um, we have other mission agencies that the church supports. But in terms of what God has called us to do, he's called us, first of all, to have a, uh, a clarified message. The Bible says that the trumpet does not give a clear sound who will prepare himself to the battle. As a trumpet player, that, that verse caught my attention. Well, it's really important to have a clarified message about the victorious life. And, and the message of Galatians 2.20, I would like to suggest this, that what John 3.16 is for the plan of salvation, right, a great summary, you know, like the football game, you hold up John 3.16, it really says what you need to hear. Galatians 2.20 is for the victorious Christian life. You've already quoted already tonight, but I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So... We believe that many times people know that verse. They may even quote it, but it's not really experiential in their life. We believe it's important to clarify what that verse means. Secondly, God has called us to a simplified methodology. I'd like to ask you a profound question. How many of you like Reese's peanut butter cups? Do I have an amen? You remember that commercial about Combining the chocolate and the peanut butter and that kind of serendipitous discovery. Whoa, this is pretty good. What I discovered when I first came across Handbook to Happiness as a pastor in Canada is that often there was an appreciation for the deeper life message like uh, Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret and Oswald Chambers' devotional book, My Utmost for His Highest. Some of you read that. Andrew Murray's uh, book about... Um, absolute surrender, and all these authors, but they would be considered kind of in a separate category. Uh, I'll call it chocolate, okay? But then if someone had an addiction, which we just heard about, or depression, which is chronic in America, or anxiety, or panic attacks, or a failing marriage, they would think, well, that's over here. That's counseling. That's a different category. And so even though many of us as pastors go through Bible college and seminary, we don't really feel equipped to counsel, we think, oh, we have to have a degree in psychology or to be state certified. Well, God used Chuck Solomon to take the chocolate and the peanut butter and put it together, to take the victorious life message and a strategic counseling approach and put it together. And that's what Handbook to Happiness is. So it's a simplified message. You don't have to be an expert on every ism or problem or symptom. You might say that we're heart specialists because when Christ lives his life in us and through us instead of us, Things change. So it's a simplified methodology. Also, illustrated materials. In Ephesians 4.12, it says that we are to, Christian leaders are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Some people are, are gifted helpers and counselors and encouragers, but it's like you just stand amazed that, wow, they just have that particular gift. And sure, there's a, there's a role for special gifting. 
But one, one of the unique things about the Grace Fellowship model is it's reproducible. People from around the world have gotten the basic conference and workshop and have become effective Christ-centered disciples and counselors based on getting that toolkit. So it's really fascinating to see that when you learn how to draw these diagrams and explain them, it's just like our Lord used parables to illustrate truth. These diagrams can illustrate the counseling process in a very fascinating way. So illustrated materials and finally demonstrated ministry. Back in 1985 or so, when I read Handbook to Happiness, when I got to the chapter about testimonies, I did a double take. Because in, those chap- in that chapter, Dr. Solomon talked about how some people had spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on, on Christian counseling and psychotherapy, trying to get unstuck from, from their life-controlling life problems without getting a breakthrough. But then they ended up in Denver, Colorado, and just in a few days, their life was transformed. Well, I did a double take. What's so special about this? And then I realized it's the chocolate and peanut butter together. It's the victorious life and the counseling model together. And so it's transformational change because God does the changing. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. It's a demonstrated ministry. And I wish I had time to give you many other testimonies of how God has been using the counseling. Our ministry scope includes biblical counseling. Sometimes people come locally for once a week for one, two, or three months. Next week, someone's coming from another state for an intensive, which is a Monday to Friday kind of experience in the mornings with some homework in the afternoon. The conference and workshops I mentioned, which are hosted here at the church and are available on DVD for the conference. We have online and distance education. Also, some people want to be certified in biblical counseling. And so we have a certification process, which you can do where you are. Uh, the, the workshop is the only live event you need to attend. The rest you can do online and through, through correspondence. Uh, we also have missions. And sometimes people come with us on short-term mission trips, sharing this message and equipping Christian leaders in other countries. And then we have publications. Grace Fellowship Publications includes books and um, many books we could tell you about. Also, media materials, DVD-based discipleship kits, uh, online materials. So if you go to our website under the store, you can, you can see uh, the toolkit in more detail. Okay, so that's a little bit of an overview of distinctives and the scope of the ministry. Uh, again, there's so much more we could, we could share, but we don't want to keep you here too long. So do uh, you think we could show that video, fellas? Is it working? Someone wrote a testimony uh, for tonight that I'll just give you a little summary of. It's a woman who has had uh, severe emotional and mental problems for many years, really since her teenage years. And uh, she's about 60 right now. And she came to a place of desperation, needing help. And she asked someone uh, if she knew, if this person knew of a Christian counseling center. And it turns out that the person uh, knew Linda and was aware of Grace Fellowship. So she said, you should see, you know, Grace Fellowship, John Woodward. And, and so... Um, the lady went to her website, got the address, and she came to Nellie Street, and she, she was asking God for a sign as to, to get, how to get help. And she looked at the house, and she said, God, you answered my prayer. She came in and said, I used to live in this house. You did? Yes. She and her husband actually rented the house that Grace Fellowship has as a counseling center back, I think it was the 1980s. And it was in the kitchen of our little counseling center where she called upon the Lord and really had a breakthrough spiritually. So that very house was a house where she did business with God um, like you know, 20 years ago. So that was very meaningful. As she went through the counseling, and we, we met about three or four times, 
she's really been experiencing a whole new perspective that, that as Christ becomes her life, he is able to heal her broken heart and give her victory over depression and anxiety. Her husband came in. He had a breakthrough. And now a, a relative of theirs is back from a, a rehab center and he wants to come in for counseling. So she wrote a three-page testimony, which I, I won't read to you, but it's just saying that she's really excited about what God is doing in her life and, and to give credit for, for what she is discovering. Uh, another example that comes to mind is a man who had a uh, domestic dispute. Is that a nice way to say that he beat his wife? <clears throat> um, they had a violent argument and he was arrested and uh, his wife left him with their five-year-old son and he has spent a few thousand dollars on legal fees trying to stay out of jail and he he picked up a gun. He was ready to take his own life. And then he thought, well, maybe I should look a bit further. He started dialing some numbers. Eventually, he called Grace Fellowship, came in for counseling. And after a few sessions, he realized that his problem wasn't that his wife wouldn't keep him out of jail. His problem was himself. He repented of his sin. He surrendered to the Lord. He discovered his union with Christ. And God uh, changed him. Eventually, his wife did answer the phone. And the, one of the first things she said after his spiritual breakthrough is, what happened to you? I guess we call that women's intuition. She discerned that God had done a work in his life. She came a couple weeks later to counseling, met with Dr. Solomon. They reconciled. I remember about three months later, them walking hand in hand to the front door of the counseling center saying, we just wanted to give thanks to God for what he's done in our life. And is there anything we can do to help other people find hope in Christ? We want to do so. So that's the kind of testimonies that, that we're so excited about, that we're so grateful for. And now I got the thumbs up to show you the video. Thanks, fellas. How about if we have a word of prayer and then I'd like to ask my wife Linda to come to lead us in a closing song. Would that be all right? Shall we pray? Lord, as we watch that presentation, perhaps, Lord, you impressed upon the hearts of us tonight the need to recognize that not only did Christ die for us, but positionally and spiritually, if we're believers, we died with him. But Lord, maybe we've not had a funeral. Maybe we've not said goodbye to our old identity. So, Lord, we just ask that you would reveal this truth to us as Paul prayed, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we may know the power that lives in us is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Lord, I thank you that Jesus Christ has given his life for us, that he might give his life to us through the Holy Spirit, that he might live his blessed life through us as we abide in him. Lord, take this message and impress it on our hearts and then give us a new, new vision to live victoriously and to disciple faithfully and to counsel effectively for your honor and glory. We give you praise tonight for the victorious life which is ours through your amazing grace. For Jesus' sake, amen. Thank you so much for your prayers and support. And Linda, there you are. Um, I think you may have heard of a song called Amazing Grace. Enhanced version. Oh, enhanced, definitely. Um, I know it's been a long evening. But I hope you appreciate all that was shared today. There is such freedom in knowing Christ is your life. I wanted to say that. And my job is to say thank you. I want to say thank you to our church. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for loving us. That is wonderful. We covet your prayers. We appreciate your prayers for our future, too. For all that God has for us, that the message of the cross will We'll go forward. We are so excited to be here. It's 15 years now that we've been here at this church. So blessed to be here with Dr. Solomon. Many years ago, we just felt God was calling us here, and we still do. And we are honored. And so 
I pray that maybe you all will take this little thing home. This, it's so important. Read it. It is a chapter of Dr. Solomon's book. It, what's, what changed his life, and it can change your life too. And there is the prayers at the end also. I suggest you consider surrendering your life and claiming Christ's life as your own. What a freedom. So we're going to sing. I'm going to sing or start out with Amazing Grace, but then you're going to join me because I like help.
Stand with me, please. And I'm going to ask uh, you to come by and speak to the Woodwards and to Joe and to Dr. Solomon. And I want us to pray for them again. And uh, I know you want to express to Dr. Solomon like I do, we sure do miss Miss Sue. And uh, Kathy, you be over there too. And folks, come by and speak to you guys. Father, we thank you that our our uh, uh, lives are hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, we shall appear with him in glory. Lord, thank you for the ministry of GFI. Thank you for the multiplied thousands of lives that have been helped. We pray for great days ahead for them. We pray for the ministry. Pray for their support. Pray, Heavenly Father, that you would provide their needs according to your riches and glory. And thank you, Father, for your great grace and your love, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.